Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Philip M. Aguale. As an inventor, my contribution to the development of the fastest supercomputers was to invent something from nothing. I invented the modern supercomputer from yesterday's computer. I invented an internet that is a global network of 64 binary thousand computers. I invented that internet from singular supercomputers. I experimentally discovered that parallel processing or solving 64 binary thousand problems at once instead of solving one problem at a time, it's not a huge waste of everybody's time. The inventor experimentally discovered that the impossible is in fact possible. My experimental discovery of parallel processing was rejected in part because I was accused of doing everything sequential processing supercomputer scientists we are trained not to do, namely to do 65,536 things at once instead of doing only one thing at a time. In the rankings of scientific geniuses, from the era of Euclid, the father of geometry, who lived 2,300 years ago in Africa, to the era of Albert Einstein, who lived till the mid-20th century. Their contributions to scientific knowledge was the genius measuring stick. In parallel processing, computed faster and fastest is the only genius measuring stick. The grand challenge of experimentally discovering how to compute 65,536 times faster and how to do so across an internet that is a global network of 65,536 processors 
required a primordial or a first parallel processing programmer. That primordial programmer must be a tribal threat in physics, mathematics, and computing. The scientific knowledge and the physical instruments required to make that mathematical and experimental discovery of parallel processing are the knowledge of the laws of physics, the mastery of the partial differential equations of calculus, and the command of large-scale algebra, as well as the wizardry of how to program within a processor and how to communicate across one binary million regular short and equidistant email wires and finally how to compute simultaneously and do so at 64 binary thousand processors. During my 16 year long quest for the fastest supercomputer. The laws of physics were the core essences and the common thread through the nine partial differential equations of calculus that I invented. The laws of physics were the core essences and the common thread through the large-scale system of equations of algebra that I formulated. The laws of physics were the core essences and the common thread through the 65,536 processors within the supercomputer that I programmed to execute the fastest computations. The laws of physics we are the core essences and the common thread through the 1,048,576 email wires that outline the primordial internet that I harnessed to experimentally discover parallel processing and that made the news headlines in 1989. Parallel processing is multidisciplinary. As a lone wolf supercomputer scientist of the 1970s and 80s, I had to be a polymath to be able to solve the toughest problem in parallel processing and solve that grand challenge problem alone. I had to be a polymath to understand the set of laws of physics and understand those laws as my lowest common denominator. I had to be a polymath to translate the toughest problem in computational physics and translate it alone and translate it from the frontier of knowledge of large-scale computational physics to the frontier of knowledge of the partial differential equations of calculus to the frontier of knowledge of large-scale algebra and to the frontier of knowledge of massively parallel supercomputing. 
I had to be a polymath to translate a grand challenge problem alone and translate it across uncharted territories of technological knowledge where I recorded unrecorded speeds in computation. That uncharted territory comprised of a global network of the slowest 65,536 processors that were equal distances afar and apart that computed together to emulate the fastest supercomputer. I had to be a polymath to translate the grand challenge problem alone and translate it from physics to algebra to calculus and translate it back to algebra and to arithmetic and translate it into a processor and translate it through a primordial internet. I had to be a polymath to invent that internet alone and invent it as a global network of 64 binary thousand processors. I had to be a polymath to deeply understand and to clearly visualize in the 16th dimension how my seamless emailing of 2 to power 16 or 64 binary thousand emails will save me from the 64 binary thousand square corners that had a one-to-one -one correspondence with my as many processors. I had to be a polymath to deeply understand how the 16 times the 2 to power 16 or the one binary million unique arrangements of zeros and ones will save me from the 1,048,576 directional sharp edges that had a one-to-one -one correspondence with my as many email wires. I became a polymath and a computer wizard after 16 years of supercomputing and because I had programmed more processors than any person that ever lived. In the 1970s and 80s, the upper echelon of the field of massively parallel supercomputing was very sparsely populated. In the 1980s, I used my fingers to count the number of programmers of the few massively parallel processing supercomputers that were powered by up to 64 binary thousand processors that were ever built. For example, in the 1980s, I alone controlled 16 massively parallel supercomputers. The reason each 
massively parallel supercomputer was idle and available to me alone was that parallel processing was too multidisciplinary and none of the 25,000 supercomputer scientists in the world then knew how to harness the technologies up to 64 binary thousand processors and in particular how to harness them to compress the time to solution of the most large-scale excruciatingly detailed simulations in computational physics. Each of my 16 massively parallel supercomputer of the 1980s was waiting for me, Philip M. Aguale, its then sole full-time parallel processing programmer, to log into it. And after I logged into each massively parallel supercomputer, I felt like I was home alone. In the 1980s, only one supercomputer programmer could be at the farthest frontier of the one and only one most massively parallel supercomputer that existed. In the late 1980s, that farthest frontier was outlined by a global network of 64 binary thousand processors. I, Philip Emagwale, invented an internet and I did so at the farthest frontier of supercomputing where the fastest computations occur. My internet was powered by a global network of 64 binary thousand processors or a global network of as many computers. I am reporting this supercomputer discovery as the first eyewitness from the farthest frontier of massively parallel supercomputing. I am reporting this supercomputer discovery because I was the lone wolf at that father's frontier. I am reporting this supercomputer discovery because I was at that father's frontier and I was at that uncharted territory when everybody said that parallel processing is a huge waste of everybody's time. My 1989 experimental discovery of parallel processing was not just about supercomputing 64 binary thousand times faster. That discovery made the news headlines because it was about making possible 65,536 solutions that were otherwise impossible. To invent a supercomputer is to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. To invent is to turn fiction into fact. The 
world's fastest calculations that I experimentally discovered and discovered across a primordial internet was the crown jewel that sparkled in the limelight and remains a quick retentive in the public memory. My fastest calculations does not exist within one isolated processor that is not a member of an ensemble of processors. My fastest calculations only exist across an internet. Since my 1989 experimental discovery of parallel processing, I felt like the ancient mariner that traveled around the world to tell his story to different people, trying to understand the modern supercomputer that is an internet that I invented, and trying to understand it as the global network of 65,000 536 equidistant processors that I programmed back in 1989 and trying to understand it as a small copy of the planetary-sized internet and trying to understand it without the life story of its inventor is like looking at an embroidery from the wrong side of the cloth. I am well known, but I am not known well. How you understand my supercomputer inventions and my mathematical discoveries is not how I understand them. 99% of my invention is abstract and invincible. For that reason, I am well known, but I am not known well. I have an invention that only I, the inventor, can understand. My technological quest was for the shortest time to solution of the grand challenge problems of supercomputing. A discovery or an invention is like the moon. It has two parts, the visible part and the hidden part. Back in 1989, the news media were reporting the concrete and the visible parts of my technological inventions and we are ignoring the abstract and the invincible parts of my mathematical discoveries. As the dense and abstract subject that it is, mathematics exists at the margins of popular science. Calculus is seen from the bright light of popular technology. For that reason, I said that I am well known, but I am not known well. For me, Philip Emma Aguale, 
inventing the modern parallel processing supercomputer that can parallel process many things at once and that can compute at the farthest speeds in computational mathematics and inventing the parallel supercomputer that can solve the toughest mathematical problems in computational physics was like a songwriter using his guitar to accompany his song and dance. Nine in ten supercomputer circles are consumed by large-scale computational physicists who run excruciatingly detailed simulations with the laws of physics at their granite computation intensive cores. The supercomputer of yesterday was the instrument for large-scale computational physicists that became your computer of today. In supercomputing, wizardry is making the impossible to compute possible to compute. At age 19, and as a mathematician, I solved my equation to get it right. At age 35, I grew to become a polymath, and I solved my equation to not get it wrong. My quest for the solution to the toughest problem in calculus did not follow a straight line. My, my son Ijoma is an American born African. I am an African born American. The American scientific world suffers from racial segregation. White students are writing school reports on white inventors. Black students are writing school reports on black inventors. And Asian students are writing school reports on Asian inventors. As a black supercomputer scientist, I had to be anonymous without my being invincible. Until 1989, the supercomputer scientists that I corresponded with in the 1970s and 80s did not know that I, Philip Emma Aguale, was black. I survived in the field of supercomputing by remaining invincible for 16 years and creating the impression that I was white, not black. I have a copy of an illustration for a magazine article on supercomputing that portrayed me as a white Caucasian. I began supercomputing on Thursday, June 20, 1974 at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Covales, Oregon, United States. For the following two decades, I was subjected to invincible lash laws that prevented me from using the front doors to enter 
into the top supercomputer centers in the United States. Supercomputing was the widest field of research that spawned the likes of John Voinuman. Oregon in the Pacific Northwest region is one of the widest states in the United States. It should not come as a surprise that I was the only black supercomputer geek in Oregon that I know of. The state of Oregon is famed for its infamous Lash Law of 1844. The Oregon Lash Law was passed 13 decades before my arrival in Monmouth, Oregon. The Oregon Lash Law stipulated that any black person that trespassed into Oregon, be they free or slave, must be whipped twice a year unquote, until he or she shall quit the territory. Unquote. The Oregon Lash Law also stipulated that every black person in Oregon must be whipped quote, not less than 20 and no more than 39 strokes of the lash. Unquote. The following year, the Oregon Lash Law was criticized as too severe. The modified Oregon Lash Law reduced the penalty to forced labor or deportation from Oregon Territory. The Oregon Lash Law is in part the reason I was the only black supercomputer scientist that the state of Oregon produced. As a supercomputer scientist, my holy grail was the quest for the fastest speeds in parallel computation that could be executed across an internet. In 1989, it made the news headlines that an African supercomputer wizard in the United States had experimentally discovered how to parallel process across an internet. I am that African supercomputer scientist. During my 16 years of supercomputing, onward of June 20, 1974, I made mistakes, but I was open to quick course corrections that took me to the unknown world of parallel processing across a primordial internet that is a small copy of the global internet that is a global network of 64 binary thousand processors. The solution to the toughest problem in calculus transcended calculus. Therefore, trying to solve the toughest problem in calculus and trying to solve it within only calculus is like seeking a material solution to a spiritual problem or turning to alcohol to solve a broken heart. It's impossible for a supercomputer scientist that is not a polymath, that is not at home in physics, that is not at home in mathematics, 
and that is not at home in computing to experimentally discover how to solve the initial boundary value problems that are governed by a system of coupled, nonlinear, and time-dependent partial differential equations that is the toughest problem in calculus that are hyperbolic. I experimentally discovered how to compute many things at once instead of computing only one thing at a time. My experimental discovery of parallel processing supercomputers led me to discover that creating a new technology creates a need for a new vocabulary and a new narrative for the histories of science and technology. Over 16 years, my theorized internet evolved towards a global network of 64 binary thousand computers that encircled a ball in a 16-dimensional space, and that is a small copy of the internet. I called that ball in the 16-dimensional world a hyperball, and that name gave rise to the term Philip M. Aguales hyperball. In the early 1980s, I reshaped and reinvented my hyperball as a roundy hypercube that is still a hyperball and my metaphor for the internet. After my experimental discovery of parallel processing supercomputers, I became like the ancient mariner that traveled around the world to tell his story to different people. My experimental discovery of parallel processing supercomputers made the news headlines because I experimentally discovered the fastest computation and experimentally discovered it across the slowest 65,536 processors. My experimental discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer made the news headlines because I discovered it when everybody rejected it and I experimentally discovered it as a lone wolf supercomputer programmer. My experimental discovery made the news headlines in 1989 because it heralded the end of the era of vector processing supercomputers that computed with only one isolated vector processing unit. That experimental discovery of massively parallel processing represented real measurable progress in the development of the computer. My scientific truth was controversial in the 1970s and 80s. In those two decades, I was banished from the supercomputing community and forced to program abandoned 
massively parallel processing supercomputers and forced to program them as a lone wolf. I experimentally discovered how to make the impossible to solve that is impossible with vector processing supercomputers and make them possible to solve and possible with massively parallel processing supercomputers. I experimentally discovered how to make the impossible possible and how to do so by experimentally compressing the time to solution and compressing it from 65,536 days of computing or 108 years of computing on one processor or one computer to only one day of fastest supercomputing across a global network of 65,536 processors or across as many computers. That is, I discovered how to compress the time to solution from 108 years to one day. I experimentally discovered that global network as a parallel processing machine that is not a supercomputer per se, but that is an internet de facto. In an echoic retentive manner of speaking or in a soundbite, I experimentally discovered 180 years in one day. My technological quest was to invent new ways to increase the speeds of computers and ultimately to invent the fastest supercomputer. The supercomputer of today will be the computer of tomorrow. We create tomorrow by what we invent today. To invent is to create something out of nothing. For me, Philip Emma Aguale, my technological quest and necessity was for the fastest supercomputer that can make the impossible to compute possible to compute. That necessity in large-scale, excruciatingly detailed simulations of computational physics took me to the crossroads of several scientific disciplines. During the 16 years, onward of June 20, 1974, I sojourned from a system of equations of algebra that I solved on a sequential processing supercomputer to the crossroad between the laws of physics and the partial differential equations of calculus. I continued my mathematician's sojourn to the crossroad between calculus and the system of equations of algebra. I continued my mathematician's sojourn to the crossroad between algebra and a set of floating point operations of arithmetic 
I continued my supercomputing surgeon to the crossroad between arithmetic and my global network of processors that is an internet. I experimentally discovered that the processors are to the modern supercomputer what the elements are to the periodic table. I experimentally discovered that the processors are the basic building blocks of the modern supercomputer just as atoms are the basic building blocks of molecules. I experimentally discovered that computational physics is at the foundation of the fastest supercomputer just as axioms are at the foundation of axiomatic mathematics. I experimentally discovered that the regular, short, and equidistant email wires that I visualized as fiber optic wires of the Philip Emagwale internet are its basic building blocks just as the hypercube is constructed from the cube and is constructed from the regular and equidistant edges of the hypercube from lower dimensions. I visualized Philip Emagwale internet as a small copy of the planetary-sized internet and as a global network of 64 binary thousand processors that is de facto one cohesive unit that is the fastest supercomputer that computed in parallel or by solving 64 binary thousand problems at once. I experimentally discovered how the supercomputer becomes a cohesive whole unit without edges or directions. My experimental discovery of massively parallel processing was independent of processor technology and was a blueprint for a primordial internet. In the 1970s and 80s, I struggled to write about my experimental discovery of parallel processing. My clarity became sharper with distance in time and space. That distance made parallel processing once again strange and familiar. Back in the 1970s and 80s, everybody ridiculed parallel processing as a huge waste of everybody's time. Today, massively parallel processing is no longer a waste of time. Parallel processing is the technology that powers most computers and all supercomputers. One of the reasons the weather forecast of today is more accurate than the weather forecast of the first four decades onward of 1946 is that today's weather forecast is simultaneously computed in parallel and synchronously communicated across 10 million processors that defined one primordial internet 
or across 10 million identical computers that will in part outline the planetary internet of the future. My experimental discovery of parallel processing enabled me to compress 65,536 days or 108 years of time to solution on one processor and compress that time to solution to just one day of time to solution across an internet that is a global network of 65,536 processors and that computed in parallel are those processors. Put differently, my scientific method enabled me to experimentally extract massively parallel processing and to extract it from my ensemble of processors. My parallel processing hypothesis was that I could compress the time to solution across an internet. In 1989, it made the news headlines that I experimentally discovered how to use that parallel processing hypothesis and use it to compress 180 years of time to solution on one processor and compress that time to solution to just one day of time to solution across an internet. I used my parallel processing hypothesis to predict that my time to solution can be compressed by a factor of one billion and across one billion processes. After my experimental discovery, my parallel processing hypothesis has been used to compress times to solution across 10,649,600 processors and used to compress 30,000 years of time to solution to just one day of time to solution. That experimental consistency is the reason the technology of parallel processing is used to power most, most computers and all supercomputers. That was the scientific method behind my experimental discovery of parallel processing. My technological breakthrough made the news headlines because it opened the path to massively parallel processing and the modern supercomputer. That technological path was followed by Chinese supercomputer scientists who used it to compress 10.65 million days or 30,000 years of their time to solution on one processor to just one day of time to solution across 10.65 million processors that computes in parallel at those processors. Parallel processing is computing's defining technical achievement. Parallel processing will be as round as long as the river flows and the grass grows. In the 1970s and 80s, 
I made that leap of the imagination when I leapfrogged from serial processing to parallel processing. And I made that leap because that's what humans do. We extrapolate from the known to the unknown. The modern supercomputer is the digital divining rod that provides visibility inside the darkness of the mild deep oil fields of the Niger Delta region of Nigeria. To recover oil and gas from the oil fields in Nigeria demands that oil and gas be set in motion. Oil and gas are set in motion by pumping water into the oil and gas field and pumping water to push the oil and gas and push them to nearby oil and gas production wells. Because it's impossible to build a physical model of an oil field, I had to simulate the motions of oil, water and gas inside and across a production oil field. My accurate and excruciatingly detailed simulation of that motion demanded that I experimentally discover how to simultaneously solve a system of 24 million equations of large-scale algebra and large-scale computational physics. In the 1970s and 80s, I was ridiculed and laughed at for attempting what seemed impossible, namely to program massively parallel supercomputers and program them to solve the toughest problems in computational physics and program such supercomputers alone. I, Philip M. Aguale, was the lone wolf supercomputer programmer that was the lone voice in the wilderness of the unknown world of never-before-recorded speeds in computational physics. In Nigeria, my country of birth, the most detailed supercomputer simulations in computational physics occurs during petroleum reservoir simulations of the flow of oil, water, and gas from water injection wells to production wells. To experimentally, to the experimental discovery of parallel processing supercomputers is my contribution to the economic growth. And as the primal programmer of that primordial internet, I saw my two raised to power 16 or 64 binary thousand or 65,536 processors as 65,536 equidistant searchlights that uniformly encircled a globe in the 16th dimensional hyperspace. I saw those searchlights as 3,000 square miles afar and apart. I saw those searchlights pointing towards the darkest corners of human understanding of global warming and global issues. I am the large-scale computational mathematician that was in the news 
back in 1989 and in the news for discovering how to solve the toughest problems in mathematics. Those problems are called grand challenges in supercomputing. I discovered how to solve grand challenge problems across an internet that is a global network of 65,536 processors and that is a supercomputer de facto. In the 5,000 year history of mathematics, the answers to the biggest questions don't come easy. The solutions to the biggest questions demand big ideas and hard work. Calculus is a living body of knowledge that has grown continuously since it was invented 330 years ago. My contributions to calculus represent its growth from the 17th century's blackboard to the mid-20th century's motherboard and represent its expected growth across up to one binary billion motherboards of the 21st century. I was in the news because I changed the way we solve the toughest problems in calculus and changed it from solving it on only one isolated processor to solving it across an ensemble of processors. In the old way, we solved the toughest problems of computational physics and solved them in sequence or by doing only one thing at a time and doing that thing within only one isolated processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicates and computes together and as one seamless cohesive supercomputer. In my new way that was reported in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal and reported in top mathematics news journals, I experimentally discovered how to do 65,536 things at once and do them in parallel and do them across 65,536 processors. My contribution to the development of the modern computer is this. I put to rest the saying that parallel processing is a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. It was after four and a half decades as the lone wolf at the farthest frontier of supercomputing that I was called the father of the modern supercomputer that can process many things at once instead of processing only one thing at a time. The inventor entered the unknown world or the terra incognita of knowledge 
before the invention became the news headlines. Their biographers or unauthorized storytellers came on the scene often centuries after the discoverer is no longer with us. As a large-scale computational mathematician of the 1980s, my grand challenge was to show that what's impossible to compute for the computational physicist that is computing with the fastest processor is in fact possible to compute for the supercomputer scientist that is supercomputing across the slowest 65,536 processors. One reason the modern supercomputer of the 1990s and later is faster than the conventional supercomputer of the 1980s and earlier, and faster by 16 orders of magnitude, is that the modern supercomputer is built upon the experimental discovery of parallel processing or processing many things at once instead of processing only one thing at a time. My experimental discovery of parallel processing that made the news headlines in 1989 heralded the end of the era of vector processing supercomputers. That experimental discovery is the starting point of the modern supercomputer that will become the computer of tomorrow. That experimental discovery was the moment the modern supercomputer stood apart from the computer. I experimentally discovered massively parallel processing and discovered the technology as the starting point of the mass production and the commercialization of parallel processing computers and massively parallel supercomputers. Since my experimental discovery of 1989, the number of supercomputers that computes in parallel has increased in geometrical proportion. Parallel processing is not a magic cure-all. However, parallel processing is embodied in most computers and in all supercomputers. Parallel processing technology that was once a dim light in a sea of darkness is now the bedrock of the modern supercomputer. Parallel processing technology that was once the stone that was rejected as rough and unsightly has become the headstone of the supercomputing industry. I was once asked, how do you want to be remembered? To quote myself, I answered, discoverers and inventors are remembered longer for their discoveries and inventions than for their prizes and medals. 
The reason is that the discovery is an eternal truth, while the invention is a physical manifestation of technological heroism. The reason I am the subject of school reports is that I contributed to the development of the fastest supercomputers. My contribution was objective and measurable, as well as tangible and visible. The reason my contributions made the news headlines in 1989 was that it changed the way we think about the supercomputer. After 1989, we think of the supercomputer not as processing only one thing or process at a time, but as processing many things at once. A contribution to the development of the modern supercomputer that processes many things at once is concrete and durable because faster computations are objective and measurable. That contribution to the fastest supercomputer will stand as long as the computer exists, will stand as long as the internet or the global network of computers exists, and perhaps will stand as long as the rock of Gibraltar exists. To invent is to turn fiction to non-fiction. I'm Philip Emagwale. Let's keep our conversation alive at emagwale.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture.